Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Can we combine our intuitive, spiritual, synchronistic side with our rational mind to create a more holistic life? I think we can, and we're going to be talking about it right here, right now, on Polly Campbell, Simply Said. Hello, 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 and welcome to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And those things are often influenced by the stories we tell about our experiences, the details we include, the things we notice. And you know, I'm always interested in story. The ones we tell ourselves to make sense of our lives, the ones we read to learn and escape, to process our experience, the ones we use to elevate our experiences, the things that can change our lives and the way we think about our lives. So it will not surprise you at all that I'm excited to have my friend back. He is author and psychotherapist Donald Altman, and he's got a new book we're going to talk about today, and we're going to get into a little about the story he's telling. Donald's been here before talking about mindfulness and creating calm in our lives, but today we are going to talk about travelers. Welcome to the show, Donald. Oh, hi, Polly. You know, it's, it's so much fun to be here with you today and to share ideas with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you being here. You are an award-winning writer. You're an international workshop trainer, former Buddhist monk, which I always tell my friends because I think it's so cool, and the past vice president of the Center for Mindful Eating. You have written about mindfulness, uh, mindful eating, all kinds of things. You're, you're writing the Practical Mindfulness blog for Psychology Today, articles for Psychotherapy Networker. You've been featured in the Mindfulness movie, and yet... You are back today and talking about your new book, which is about loss and family and synchronicity and how we can grow and heal and all of that stuff. We're going to go in a different direction a little bit today. Your newest book is called Travelers. How do you explain this book, Donald? Is it a parable? Is it an allegory? Is it a novel? Is it a mystery? How do you describe it to people? Well, it's it's part mystery. It's part uh, suspense uh, thriller in a way. It's a, a mystical journey. And I hope it takes people, you know, I like what you said about story because story informs us in so many ways and we create stories about our lives, but we learn a lot from other stories. And I think that's what prompted me to want to tell a story differently from my nonfiction books. And it covers a lot of the themes that you mentioned, but to tell it in a, in a and I like to, in some way, this story wrote me. I didn't write the story. <laughs> and it was an interesting, wonderful process, actually, but it's a story of loss and grief and how a very scientific-minded scientific 
rational, logical psychiatrist who works in a psych ward is forced out of his comfort zone and is and is undertakes a mystical journey that actually helps him deal with his own loss. He's lost his daughter, which was an agonizing loss, and it's driven a wedge between him and his wife. So, you know, family deals with loss in so many different ways and different people in the family, and how do you get through that? And I think the wonderful thing is, as humans, we're gifted with creativity and the ability to make that leap from the material into something greater, right? Into a transcendent realm of awareness where where things are very different. Things connect in new ways and it informs us. It gives us hope and can inspire us. So that's what I try to do with this book and to help people enter a new world. It's also gets people kind of into, you know, if you've never been on a psych ward or never been in that world before, it will take you into that world. And I think in a very accurate way. And yet, um, you know, in a, in a way, it's kind of making a statement. I've been a psychotherapist for many years and worked in this field. And I feel like in some way it's become very mechanical. It's become, uh, you know, mechanistic. It views the, the patients almost like a um, in a mechanical reductionist way. So, you know, we apply a diagnosis and, you know, oh, this is what's wrong with you. And we put a little a little label on somebody problem with that is somebody sometimes those uh patients or clients they take that label and they wave it around and say hey this is me i'm a depressed person or i'm a schizophrenic schizophrenic or i'm a this or that and i think that does a disservice and so what i'm trying to do is to show there are other ways of finding wholeness and and in the story this uh uh there's a traveler kind of it's, it's actually a, uh, a mysterious woman that the psychiatrist meets and comes into his life and becomes a, a kind of a guide a spiritual guide to him so his grief leads to a initiation of sorts so that's kind of the story in a nutshell yeah i love the story i was i am caught up in it i told you no spoilers because i'm not quite done i've got about 20 or 30 pages to go what is interesting to me donald is a lot of what you just said you bring in what it's like on the psych ward you bring in a lot of mental health themes right grief and and suicide mm. disruptive families or difficult families where mm -hmm. the stigma of mental illness the father cannot support his his child as being uh mentally unhealthy right now all mm -hmm. those things from the eyes of this therapist however he starts to become his own patient, right? He thinks he's going a little crazy because he's having this more <laughs> mystical or spiritual experience. And it takes him a while to trust that, it seems like. Is that a component? Do you think, do you, do you think that we all have that piece, this intuition, the synchronicity that we can also draw on to within us and, and we like to be compartmentalized? Or do you think that's just how the world sets up for us? I think we all have the ability to make these other connections to experience other realities. I mean, dreaming, dreaming itself is another reality. But uh, yeah, the psychiatrist, he doesn't trust it. And at one point, he absolutely thinks he's losing his mind uh, from everything that's happening. And he and uh, he, he, he tries to use some internal family systems and different things on himself in kind of a humorous way, I think, uh, yeah. to try to you know deal with it. But he, yeah, it's it's very difficult for him to go to that place. And I think many of us find that, you know, I uh, you know, I can share something that I didn't talk about for a long time, which was in my early 20s, I had a major depressive disorder. 
from a traumatic uh, childhood history. And uh, at that time, I was lucky. I had a great psychiatrist who was helping me. Um, and But I, was, I felt this incredible oppressive feeling and a heaviness and a weight. And it just, uh, you know, I was unable to function be because of it. And at that same time, I started to have these, uh, I guess you could only call them transcendent awareness experiences where, you know, leaving the body or experiencing visions of what I thought, maybe these are reincarnation experiences, I didn't know. But these, and they were glimpses, they didn't stay with me, but they happened briefly. And it gave me, a, an, you know, and it didn't scare me. That was the interesting thing. I was like, oh, this is kind of letting me know that this depressed situation I'm in and how I'm feeling, this is not all I am. There's more to each of us, right? And so I think looking back, I actually view that as a spiritual initiation that I underwent. And it just helped me, it was, you know, it helped me, uh, gave me a bit of freedom from being mired in the oppressive uh, pain that I was feeling with and struggling with in that moment. So I think that uh, we can look at these things and be supported by them rather than be fearful of them. Now, I know people who have the similar kinds of things happen, but they went into a fear state and they was like, oh, I can't ever let that happen again. And they never experienced it again. So no, we need to be open to it. The other thing is, I think that we're so filled up in our minds with so much static. And that static comes from just, you know, each one of us has something like 20,000 thoughts in a day. I don't know if you're yeah. uh, any it of Makes me tired. I'm tired just <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> There's 22,000 yeah. for me right on that. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's really funny just how many we have. And so part of the training, of course, in the monastery that I did was to kind of observe and notice those thoughts and realize uh, that those thoughts do not define who I am, right? And that I could take a lighter, I didn't have to grab on. If you grab onto a thought and identify with it, it can pull you in different directions, right? But to be able to get curious about the thoughts and not, and realize that these are not necessarily you, that the mind is generating thoughts all the time is uh, a different uh, it gives you a different perspective on everything. And it, again, uh, all that static suddenly becomes less important. And, 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 you know, and the, in the story, as you've been reading, uh, you know, uh, Traveler Jackie, his guide has been trying to teach the psychiatrist about getting silent, right. And attaining stillness, because I think when we get stillness, we can connect more readily, more easily with these other states of awareness. And it doesn't mean we're going to, you know, uh, we, there's anything to be afraid of, but that we get more information. And that's kind of how I viewed what I was experiencing when I was in my young 20s. Was, oh, this is just some different information I'm getting, right? And I think that's what synchronicity does for us, too. Uh, you mentioned synchronicity. One thing I, I like about this book is you do incorporate both these rational, logical views and these other views that are also a part of who I feel like I am. You know, it, it, there's often I feel like we counsel each other and I do this too in support of my friends. I'll say, well, you, you need to think about it like this. Well, what if we just feel about it? Or what if we do nothing at all and just notice? Or, and I think the, the therapist in your book is is interesting because he's counseling these things in his young patient about 
being curious about the emotion chart, right? Identifying mm -hmm. emotions, which yeah. we've talked about before. And yet he's learning himself to do the same thing in a more evolved way with his own stillness and his own curiosity about these mystical experiences. And, and it's rare to see synchronicity brought in in this way in almost a therapeutic, but totally compelling way. So yes, talk to me about that because Jung talked about it, but often I think therapy and you would know better than me. I've, I've only had therapy. <laughs> I've never been a therapist, <laughs> but, but, Sometimes it's one-sided. It doesn't draw in that part. And um, I'm curious as why you put that in the book and why it's something you talk about. Yeah, well, it, I think it is so important for uh, therapy, for the process to be collaborative and that, you know, that we're each other's teachers as we go through that process. But as far as synchronicity goes, and I want to talk a little, about, a, a little bit about synchronicity, then I'm going to share something that happened to me that was a synchronistic event related to the book that... I was kind of shocked by when it happened, but uh, synchronicity, you know, there's sometimes it's defined as uh, a causal events, different things happening. Not one doesn't cause the other, but they're somehow related or it's sometimes described as a meaningful coincidence. And I think of it also in terms of, you know, there's Kronos time. Kronos time is linear time, right? It just, this happens and that happens and that happens, but there's also something called Kairos time. And Kairos time, and that's uh, K-A-I-R-O-S is how that's spelled. But Kairos time is kind of a transcendental time. It's a, that special moment when you escape the linear progression of things and you enter a new space where all things might be connected. And so in this Kairos time, and I think that's what mindfulness does, it brings us back from future tripping or worried about the past and brings us very much into this special moment where we can start to become aware. You know, if you're not really noticing things, you won't notice those synchronicities that are happening all the time. But I think they're occurring more than we think, and they occur in the book. And it's kind of one of the things that, that the uh, psychiatrist notices some synchronicities that are occurring around travelers in the beginning of the book. If something happened to me, uh, you know, I was already done writing the book. And I don't know if you got to the part where there, and I don't want to give anything away, but uh, the psych, the psychiatrist is going on a spiritual uh, sh kind of a shamanic journey. And he mm -hmm. has an injury. He, he mm -hmm. uh, is in a wilderness area where the guy, his guide is taking him. And he has this uh, uh, injury that occurs and uh, in a in a part of this wilderness park that you know I've hiked a part of that park, but not the part that I described in the book. I just made up a different uh, the north end of the park. I thought I'll have it happen there, and I'd never been there. I'd been to the south end of the, of this wilderness park. So anyway, I was hiking this north end of the wilderness park, and I fell in the same exact spot that the mm. that the psychiatrist fell, and I sustained the same injuries that I mentioned. Wow. That I mentioned in the book that he had. Uh, fortunately, my wife was there to help me out, and, and he didn't have that benefit in the story. But uh, and as I was leaving, I started noticing different landmarks and things I had described. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is what I have in the book." But you had and made it, it up. Yeah, I had made it up. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. So that was for me a real synchronicity that shows how our creative imagination is tapping into something that uh, 
that we can't really understand. What do you do with that, Donald? When you have a moment like that, is, is that a moment of appreciation? Is that something you write down and say, oh, I'm going to use this for something else? How do you use the synchronicities that show up in your life? I, I use it as kind of an affirmation. You know, it's affirming. And yeah, and there is a sense of appreciation uh, that I was able to notice it. And, and what's happened is it's made me start to be more aware and start to be more present because then I can notice these, these uh, meaningful coincidences that happen. It's kind of tie things together. It's kind of like a bow on the package, right? It wraps it up nicely. So I, I, and I think it just, yeah, it's an affirmation that you're, that you're, you're tuned in more. I, I like things like that a lot. In fact, um, after this conversation, I'm sure I'm going to be noticing better and noticing everything because it's so hopeful to me that I don't have to know the answer to everything. I don't have to be the one to figure it all out, to take care of everything. And the universe will still work, right? It'll still work for me. Yeah. It'll still work. And, and not without heartache and not without ups and downs that we need to learn about and experience, but, but that I don't have to be the one holding it together all the time. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's kind of like consciousness is is expansive, actually. And that, that's a problem with the materialistic view. I mean, there are neurologists today who believe that uh, consciousness is just an artifact of brain activity, that we don't have free will. I mean, that's, to me, is so off the wall. But that's what materialism does. You get locked into that viewpoint. And... Uh, consciousness actually is is just uh this incredible awareness that we can have of everything and and I, it's a, it's a real gift to think about how it can connect us across time and space and i've had some just some personal experiences of it but science doesn't really shine that science can only understand what it shines its light on and it, so it doesn't know how to explore that yet i think they're maybe trying to work on some trying to understand it better which would be good but of course, uh, you can go back to uh, Vivekananda, and he's mentioned actually in the book of the Hindu sage from the 19th century. And he said, um, uh, the library of the universe is in your own mind. Mm. So we have this inner verse, it's just vast. And so, you know, we need to tap it and we need to bring that into the healing process. And that's kind of very important to me. I love that. I have a couple of other things, things that I'm going to take your characters to task a little bit when we come back. I want to know a couple of things about what these guys are doing here in the book. And okay. we'll talk about <laughs> it right here with Donald Altman on Polly Campbell Simply Said on the best business network of Electrocast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. And welcome back. We're talking with Donald Altman, the author of Travelers. And I'm Paula. You're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And we're talking about this mystical rational mystery that Donald writ has written called the travelers. And it's a perfect combination of, of these big ideas about health and healing and mental health and these more intuitive, synchronistic, mystical ideas of what it takes to be a whole person. It's a great combination, Donald. I really like the book. Um, and it really has gotten me thinking. And I like how you use the narrator, the, the, the therapist to say some of these things, you know, at one point he says, I simply want to enter the patient's world and see how I might gain an understanding that when I read that line and I have some other lines that I marked like this, it hit me because about five minutes before I read that line, my teenage daughter and I were having this disagreement, (laughs) loud disagreement where she was telling me, you just don't get it. And I then I sat back down on a red travelers and this is this is a line that the therapist says and I thought how often how much better can I do of that in my own life by just being still in the space with whoever I am and not judging my daughter or my husband or my friends or for whatever they're experiencing, not coming up with a solution or an answer, but just sitting there to be in their world with them, whatever that looks like. Um, I think that it's effective to have your narrator say things like that, but I really, there's a lot we can personally take from this book. It goes beyond uh, just reading great story for me, at least. So good job on that. Was that your mission? Did you want to express some things that you think uh, help you or could help us as far as being in relationship with each other? Oh, you know, ab- absolutely. I would say that the story came first to me, but I think it's just kind of in my DNA that, yeah. that I can somehow get a, some, across something that can be beneficial or helpful that I'm I'm going to find a way to do that. And so I think there, there were a lot of avenues for that incidentally to come through. And yeah, that's a key point that uh, that he makes there. And I mean, you know, it's funny. I've People have read that book and they say, oh, that's you. You're the psychiatrist. And I'm saying, no, 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 that's not me. Well, <laughs> is it biographical at all? You know, I think there are some elements, sure. There are some elements of me that maybe come through in the book, My maybe some of my approach to how I wanted to work with clients and and uh, hopefully you know, made a positive impact with them. You know, really, in, in any kind of therapy, it's the relationship is most important. It's not the modality of the the therapeutic approach you use, but uh, the rapport that you have. You, again, that being able to enter someone's world and not have them feel judged or, and, and you know, this is not just therapy, but in in life, right? In all our relationships, how can we do that? I'm, I appreciate that you said that, and I hope that point uh, resonates with others who read the book. Well, there's a lot. And, you know, many of us, especially the listeners to this show, have read The Alchemist. I read The Celestine mm. Prof- Prophecy and many books like that because, the, and I read tons of nonfiction books, including yours and all kinds of stuff. But um, there's times a story can say it 
better, right? A fictional story mm-hmm. can help me really identify my own humanity, my own strengths, my own flaws, the things I want to learn about. Um, and I think this book does it well. There's there's one point in the book uh, that I wanted to touch on that says, one of the characters poses this question, does fitting in or being healthy and being well-adjusted at its core mean you have to be unhealthy in a disturbed world? If you're well-adjusted, even in an unhealthy system or culture, is, is, is that really being healthy? Right. And I think that's a question that we're dealing with, that I'm dealing with, that many people are dealing with right now, because we're seeing these external factors being wild and and unkind and violent. And it's weighing on people, Donald, I think right now in particular. How can we be ourselves and live the spiritual life and this rational life in the world, the external forces that are tugging on us now? Is there an answer to that question? You know, that's a really challenging question because uh, if, you know, if you're leading a spiritual, compassionate life, you're not leading with your ego. You're not leading with your hurt. You're not leading with your pain. You're not leading with your victimhood or uh, imagine the victimhood or whatever you want. Uh, you're trying to be that center calm, that, that place of calm and, and non-reactivity. Uh, and it's, and we, don't, we can't be perfect at that. Uh, we're going to get pulled in sometimes. And I think that still is a good learning lesson for anyone who's on a spiritual path is it's okay. You know, we're going to get reactive, but to come back to what's really important here and try to come back to love and compassion. And I think that's the challenge in this world today. And to, uh, and, and love and compassion, I think can help people uh, become more tender, become more vulnerable and open um, and less uh, rigid and less uh, dogmatic about things. There's a lot of dogma going around, isn't there? A lot of dogma. And and a lot of, you know, I find sometimes when I'm triggered by something that's going on out there, my response is sometimes to become more rigid in here. And that's not working for me. That's not how I want to be. I want to be more agile. I want to be more tolerant. I want to be more. So when you talk about coming back to love and compassion, I like that because I can always do that. I have that power to de- make that decision. I think that's a, a good thing, good way to think about this and feel about this. Yeah. And I, I think that that uh, helps you be empowered. You know that you can always go back to that place. And this is the great challenge for our age. We're evolving at a fast pace, humanity is. And we can see how it's that evolution with evolution sometimes cause uh, causes suffering and, you know, along with growth is suffering sometimes, but uh, let's just hope we can uh, help ourselves and others get through it. Was there one vision you had behind this book? You said the story came to you. How, I mean, how did, take me to that moment before we sign off here, like you had the great story idea and then you saw these themes woven in or was it like complete to you? It came and said, oh, this is what I want to talk about. Actually, like I say, the story wrote me, I actually had originally had tried to write this as a nonfiction book and it would not fit. It, 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 it would, it, it refused to be a nonfiction book. And I thought this wants to be a fiction a novel. And so I started to work with the, I just out of frustration of trying to write it as a nonfiction, I started to write it as a fictional story and it just kind of the characters and everything just came as I started to write the book and it kind of, and it just came out of me in that way. So it was kind of magical for me. Uh, the whole process. That seems appropriate for this book. 
Yeah, yeah, actually it is very much a magical book in some ways. That's very cool. All right, I want you to pick up this book, Travelers by Donald Altman. And Donald, where can we follow you and find your other work and the things you're doing? Well, I'm at mindfulpractices.com, M-I-N-D-F-U-L practices.com. And I have a newsletter. You can sign up for that. They can see all my books. I have some online courses and CDs as well. Check it out. You can find me on polycampbell.substack.com. Will you find more about this conversation and other essays and columns I'm writing? And uh, I will also put links to Donald's page and the book Travelers so you can share all of that with your friends. Before we go, there's a passage I read in the book that I loved that said the therapist is talking to his patient. It says, fighter pilots winning crisis do one thing necessary to keep them in the air. They do the next one thing necessary to keep them in the air. That got me thinking because sometimes that's the best we can do. Just keep ourselves in the air, right? Keep pushing, keep learning, mm. keep hoping. Donald, thanks for being here. Oh, well, thank you, Polly. I really enjoyed it immensely. And at any time, I'd be happy to visit. Thank you. And remember, <laughs> listeners, stories shape our lives, but we can also look at ourselves and the world and feel into all of that with both our intuition and spiritual selves and our rational minds. When we allow all of that in, when we allow ourselves to be whole that way, we will all live well, do good, and be happy. <laughs> Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.